This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Let's dive into some of these headlines in depth and do a little fact or fiction. Fact or fiction. All right, good morning, PJ. Good morning, Chelsea. Let's dive right into this. Winter meetings going on out in San Diego in Major League Baseball. We've already had some huge signings, although we're still waiting on Aaron Judge and where he may end up. Justin Verlander has gone to the Mets to replace Jacob deGrom, who, of course, went to Texas. Trey Turner leaves the Dodgers and joins his old Nationals teammate Bryce Harper in Philadelphia. The Braves, Mets, and Phillies all made the playoffs last season. Don't appear to be slowing down at all. So, fact or fiction, Chelsea, once again, the NL East will be the best division in baseball. Ooh, best division? I'm not sure about that because the NL West is still pretty darn good because here's the thing. The Padres are still taking big swings. They were one of the teams that tried to get Trey Turner despite having like a million middle infielders. I'm not sure why they're going for Trey Turner since they have Fernando Tatis Jr., but still, still have the Dodgers out there. You still have... Uh, the Padres out there so maybe they're the best division in baseball but I'm not saying like by a landslide because the NLE still looks to be uh, one of the best because last year it was wild because all season long it was the Braves and the Mets squabbling their fans hurling insults at each other all season long then it was like oh well the team out of your division that's gonna go to the World Series is gonna be the Phillies and what do you know the Phillies are just getting better uh, with uh, Trey Turner signing that monster deal so I think this is a fact, but not by a landslide. For me, it's it's a fiction. I think the AL East is the best division in baseball. You look at the NL East, very top-heavy. Like you said, the Braves, the Phillies, the Mets, they all made the playoffs. Braves and Mets each won 100 games. Phillies end up, as we know, going to the World Series. But you still have the Nationals in that division. You can still feast on them a little bit, beat them up. You look at the AL East, there are no easy outs in that division. They also had three teams that made the playoffs last year, Tampa, Toronto, the Yankees. The Orioles are a young up-and-coming team that shocked everybody last year. And as we know, the Red Sox, you know, their pitching isn't very good. They're probably going to lose some hitters this offseason to free agency, but it's still the Red Sox. They still have a ton of money. They still, you know, are a big brand name in the sport. And the AL East at one point last year had all five of their teams for a good amount of the season over 500. So for me, it's fiction. I think the AL East is going to be the best division. Yeah, I think you can make the argument for the AL East to be the best division. But as quality teams go, I know Tampa Bay got in. I know Toronto got in. But when you look top to bottom, the quality teams that made the playoffs, I think the NL East, obviously with the Phillies going to the World Series, and the two teams winning over 100 games, I think that top side of the NL East just puts it over for me. So I'm going to go with the NL East. I'm going to agree with Chelsea here that it is a fact, although he did make a great point. And if Aaron Judge ends up going to San Francisco, the NL West just got a lot more interesting. All right, you guys. That's what I'm saying, because look (laughs) at the Yankees last year. If they didn't have Aaron Judge, he was most of their offense. Like, usually one guy doesn't make a huge difference in baseball, as we see with the Angels every single year. But Aaron Judge was carrying that team. With all of his home runs and that putrid Yankees offense, you take Aaron Judge off the Yankees, that's not really a team I want to trust. And that's taking a team out of the AL East. 
for like being a huge contender. Yeah, and we, we'll talk about it a little bit later on when we get to some Major League Baseball notes. They also lost a couple of guys out of their rotation, or at least one guy out of their rotation as well. So the Yankees, they're going to write the checkbook. They're going to get out the money. But right now, they don't look as great as they did going into last season. And it'll be interesting to too if Aaron Judge does leave, if he talks about getting booed by Yankee fans. Remember, he oh. got booed opening he got booed opening day last year. He also got booed during the AL playoffs. You just wonder if that didn't have anything to do with it. All right. Factor fiction number two. San Francisco, you guys were just talking about this. They lost their second quarterback for the remainder of the regular season as Jimmy G goes down with a foot injury in week 13. Rookie Brock Purdy finished off the Dolphins, and it appears the 49ers will be content moving forward with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. So, PJ, factor fiction, the 49ers can still win the division with Purdy under center. I'm going to go fact, but I don't think it's as resounding as most people might think. The Niners have won five in a row. Obviously, they have one of the best rosters in football ever since that McCaffrey trade. They've been great. But you look at the remaining schedules for these teams. They play in a couple weeks, which honestly could decide who wins this division. The game is in Seattle. Four of Seattle's final five games are all at home, and they're all they're all very winnable. They have Carolina this week, that San Francisco game. They play the Jets at home, and then the Rams the final week uh, final week of the season. They're at Kansas City, which is probably going to be a loss. But you know, San Francisco now games that we thought with Jimmy G could be winnable. You could go through some growing pains with Brock Purdy. You have to go, uh, you play Tampa Bay this week. You play Washington at home in a couple weeks, who's a playoff team. You have to travel to Las Vegas, who's playing a little bit better. And then obviously you have to go to Seattle. So I'm going to say fact, I do think San Francisco still wins the division, but Seattle's schedule down the stretch is very favorable. Obviously having one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. The fact that four of their final five games are at home, uh, is definitely going to make this race a lot more interesting than people might think. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because so you look at the Niners' schedule, the last uh, five games, you've got the Bucks, the Seahawks, the Commanders, who are playing better right now, uh, the Raiders, who also are training in the right direction, and then the Cardinals. So out of those five games, the Cardinals really seems like the only game that would be an easy win. All five of those games, you know, could be losable. On the other hand, if you have Brock Purdy who comes in and uh, is not a good game manager, because I think that's the bottom line. I think people think it's so easy to come in and just quote unquote hand the ball off. No, you still have to make some passes, you know, on third downs. So there is a chance that Brock Purdy is not as good as we saw in that tiny little bitty baby sample size that we saw last game. So I think there is a chance that the Niners don't win the division here, because if you remember, uh, they battled through a ton of injuries this year. They don't have, you know, this pristine record where they have wiggle room uh, in their win loss record to where they can lose some of these big games. He's going to have to be great. However, I will say if there's ever a spot for a rookie or a young quarterback to shine, it's with the Niners. You know, you have the best weapons in probably all of football when it comes to receiver, when it comes to your offensive line, Trent Williams, uh, a perennial all-pro protecting you, and also a really good head coach, Kyle Shanahan, who usually is great at using the pieces he has to his best advantage. So I'll go fact, but same as PJ. I'm not sure if it's set in stone. Yeah, I'll go fact as well, but it's like 51% fact and 49% fiction because right. 
I think it does come down to whoever wins, obviously, that game that's going to be in Seattle uh, upcoming in a couple weeks. I'm with you. The schedule's just really, really tough. And once teams kind of get film on Brock Purdy and, and, and how he reacts to certain things, whether he's good under pressure, whether you want to keep him in the pocket or flush him out of the pocket, I think that's going to make a difference down the stretch. All right, let's move on to factor fiction number three. Despite their 116-102 loss to Cleveland last night, the Lakers have been playing better as of late. They had won 8 of 10 before dropping last night's game, and Anthony Davis has looked phenomenal. 55 and a win over Washington, 44 and a victory over Milwaukee. So fact or fiction, Chelsea, do we need to start rethinking what we think about the Lakers? I'll go fact, but it really depends on what your position was on the Lakers in the first place. If your position was like me and saying, oh, they're an auto fade every single night. Yeah, maybe you need to rethink that position because the Lakers are still getting points at a lot of these games. So from a betting perspective, yes. But as far as winning a championship, no. We just talked about this. The Lakers still need a shooter. Their offense cannot depend on Anthony Davis every single night to score 55 points. It's just not sustainable, especially since he's not really a shooter. Like when you think of guys who can put up like 50 every single night, it's guys like Devin Booker and like, you know, guards that really can go off and uh, great shooters too. So Anthony Davis is more of a post player, obviously. So I'm not sure if that's repeatable. LeBron James cannot carry the team. They need somebody else other than Russell Westbrook coming off the bench in his uh, negative points differential or plus minus or whatever you call it uh, to propel that team to being relevant in the postseason. So, no, they're not relevant in the postseason. If that's what you're thinking, no. But if it's, uh, you know, this team is an auto fade every night, maybe fact and you rethink that position. Yeah, I'm with Chelsea. It's almost like it's a fact and it's also fiction. I think it's a fact because I thought there was a point in time this team might win only like 20 games. Like they look that bad to start the year. And then now it looks like, okay, maybe they could sneak in potentially to like get that nine game, nine seed, 10 seed, maybe play in one of those, uh, in one of those first round games in the playoffs. But I, the Lakers, we've alluded to this earlier in the show, they rely so much on AD and LeBron. They don't have enough depth, not enough shooting. I'm not sold on them. And again, they're beating up on the Spurs, who have lost 10 in a row, on the Pistons. They have a brutal schedule coming up. They play Denver, Boston, Phoenix, Sacramento. So we're going to find a little bit more out about the Lakers. They're not as bad, maybe, as I thought they were going to be, but they're still not a contender in the West. Yeah, I'll put this down as fact, and also, I don't think they're contenders, but Chelsea, going back to what we used to talk about here on the show at the very beginning of the season was, anytime the Lakers came up, it was automatically, you went to the other side and said, okay, I'm going to take this team, and that was very successful at the very beginning of the season. I think the Lakers may be a little bit more feisty when it comes, at least in the gambling world. So I'll go fact, we need to rethink about the Lakers, but I'm also with both of you guys that... They're not a threat in the West, but they are a team that you may want to be careful about when you're laying the cash down night to night, especially when you look like a game like tonight we'll get to with them taking on the Raptors. Yeah, and a back-to-back, too. Uh, we saw last night, which kind of shocked me, was LeBron on the bench at the end of the game. I thought, wow, older LeBron would never in Cleveland, but he's getting older, so he's got to listen to his body at some point. 
For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.